Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the founder and president of Creation Training Initiative, a ministry where we train others how to speak and teach on biblical creation and apologetics. Well, we have a returning guest with us today, Roger Patterson. And last week we talked about some of your background, how you came out of a public high school system where you were a teacher and taught on biology and chemistry. Mm -hmm. And also you had a wide background in curriculum design and development. And you had written several books for Answers in Genesis where you now work full time. But there's something we didn't talk about last week in part of your background. And that is you weren't raised as a Christian. I'm not saying just an evolutionist, but you were raised in a completely different faith. Absolutely. Um, I actually grew up out west in uh, southern Idaho and northern Utah, and I was raised a Mormon. So uh, my mom's side of the family are, very, are still very devout Mormons. And so my entire upbringing up until I was about 14 years old was in the Mormon church. Now, um, what kind of things were you taught in the Mormon church? Well, um, a lot of people have a, a misconception about Mormonism, thinking that it's very similar to Christianity. And in fact, there are a lot of common things. Um, but it's a very different uh, type of religious system. We often say that biblical Christianity is the religion of done, what's been done for us in Christ, and all the other religions are uh, religions of do. And that's very much what the, the Mormon religion is. It's a, it's a religion based on performance where you're seeking to please God in order to earn rewards and um, various uh, levels of heaven. You, do you know there were three levels of heaven? I'm familiar with some of that. Go ahead and explain <laughs> that to me, though. Um, uh, we don't see this in the Bible, but uh, in, in Mormon theology, uh, they believe that after you die... Uh, you have the opportunity to continue even advancing in, in your righteousness and that there are three different levels of heaven that you can attain. Um, most people will get into the first level of heaven if you're a pretty good person. Even and if you're a Christian? <laughs> even if you're a Christian. Um, and they, uh, they see these different levels as rewards for your obedience. And so life on earth for a Mormon is not about um, restoring a relationship, but it's, it's about being tested by uh, the Heavenly Father, as they would call Him, uh, to see if you are obedient. And in your obedience, you can uh, earn those different levels of, of heaven. Wait a minute, you, are you telling me I would, how would I know if I'm gonna make it? That's, that's a great question. Um, we can ask that same question of a, of a Hindu or a Buddhist or, or a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, because you never know how much is good enough. Uh, where we see clear teachings in passages like Ephesians chapter 2, that uh, we've been saved by faith, by the grace of God given to us, and that's not of our works that have, that have brought us that salvation, so that we don't have any grounds for boasting in those things. So as a Christian, we can know for sure that we have eternal life, but a Mormon has to work that out their whole entire life, never really knowing for sure. Is that what you're never telling really us? knowing for sure? Um, and within the system, there are there are various uh, types of uh, buildings and and uh, services and things that they would attend. So the typical Mormon goes to a local ward building that's uh, like a, a parish or um, a local community, and then they have 
uh, larger groups called a stake, and then um, they would gather in those places. And then they have temples, and in those temples they do uh, rituals that are prescribed in the Mormon faith, uh, not things that we'd find in Scripture. Um, some very interesting things like baptism for the dead, uh, because they believe that if you are not baptized, then you are not qualified to enter those higher levels of heaven. So if somebody is going to um, respond to the gospel after they die, because they believe that everyone will have an opportunity to respond after death, uh, if they had not had a chance here on the earth, and um, you haven't been baptized, then you can't get into heaven because they believe baptism is a requirement for that form of salvation. Uh, so they do proxy baptisms, baptisms for the dead, and they claim to draw this out of uh, the passage in uh, first or Second Corinthians. I'm not sure which one it's in, but Paul talks about them baptizing for the dead, and they they take that and extend that idea. Uh, and attach it to their doctrine of baptism so that you can do baptisms for the dead. So I was actually involved in that uh, as a 12 and 13 year old child going to the temple in Logan, Utah. Uh, they have temples all around the country and I was baptized uh, proxy for other people and they do a set of names and, and work us through. Uh, so there's they're very uh, very different religious rituals and things than we than what we'd find in Christianity. So right there, where this is where you just talked about something, and you didn't mention the word there. And I want to bring it up because it brought something to mind called discernment. As Christians, we need to have a lot of discernment because they're taking God's word out of context in in that verse there, aren't they? Sure. Where the baptism for the dead. Mm -hmm. That's where we really need to study to show ourselves approved or have diligence to show ourselves approved in God's word. Absolutely. Or we can be taken in deceived very easily. Mm -hmm. And we see this happening in the whole creation evolution issue quite a bit. A lot of people are, are out there just listening and believing when somebody talks about billions of years. And they just buy into it because that man has a degree. Yep and they put more faith in that man than they do in God's Word. And the cults do the same. Yeah, and that's the, um, the Mormon faith was founded by a man named Joseph Smith, and they believe that he was a prophet, and that indeed there are still uh, prophets alive today, and there's continuing revelation. Uh, so beyond the Bible, which they esteem, they have uh, three other books, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrine and Covenants. And in those three books are the main body of Mormon doctrine. I have a question. Did anybody see Joseph Smith write those books? Well, um, he claims, and there are some witnesses who have, have written affidavits and sworn to have uh, translated these words, many of them, the Book of Mormon specifically, from um, a set of golden plates that he found in upstate New York, <clears throat> buried in the Hill Cumorah. And he was given them uh, by an, an angel named Moroni. So if you look at the top of the Mormon temples, mm -hmm. you'll see this angel with the trumpet, and <clears throat> that is the angel Moroni there. So he had a few people that helped him to interpret the... Um, he, he says that he had a, a stone given to him from God, and he was able to put that in a hat and, and read these... Uh, letters on these golden plates, which he claimed were in uh, an ancient hieroglyphic script, ancient Egyptian 
But nobody ever to, saw those, did they? Um, no one other than he and those few witnesses uh, ever saw those plates. They say that when he was done translating them, they were taken back up to heaven, and so we don't have access to them anymore. So the original transcripts or anything close to them are not there. We have is Joseph Smith's works. Not in that. But there is a very interesting uh, piece in the Pearl of Great Price called the Book of Abraham. And Joseph Smith received this papyrus from a traveling salesman, and he claimed that it was a lost book of Abraham. And so he translated, supposedly, this papyrus uh, into English, and it's in the Mormon uh, scriptures now, and known as the Book of Abraham. Um, that papyrus was actually um, <clears throat> given to his, or fell into the hands of his ex-wife as, as the church was falling apart and he was killed and, and there was a big split in the church and, and um, his wife had that and many years later it was actually found in a museum somewhere uh, with these other effects and it was translated by an Egyptologist and it was actually a funeral, uh, funeral ritual for the uh, burial of people a part of the Book of the Dead in, in ancient Egyptian. Do Mormons so in, know that? <laughs> many of them don't. Um, and that's the, that's the really uh, sad thing is many of them, they just grow up in this culture. That was, that was my experience. I grew up as a, as a good Mormon kid. Uh, we had a training in high school and, and Sunday school classes and all of those types of things just like Christians do. Uh, but I never really critically examined any of it, and they never teach you to. They, it's, it's pretty much a, a blind acceptance of those things. Well, you know, uh, we, we can't say it's just the Mormons. We have a lot of people sitting in churches today in, in mainline denominations called Christian denominations. No doubt. They're, and they're just taking up seats. They come to church, and they're unstudied. They, you ask them, why do you believe? Well, God wrote it, and I, that settles it. The Bible never tells us to just say that, does it? No, we are... Um, as we talked about last week, we are, we are to give a, a reason for the hope that we have. We are, we are to find our assurance in those things that, that God has written and revealed to us. And, and we know that our, our faith, as Hebrews 11 talks about, it's not a blind faith, but it's a, it's a faith that is grounded in, in the truths of the creation that we see around us and, and what God's revealed to us. Now, were you ever taught about creation evolution in the Mormon church? Um, I really never recall any of that. It was probably not until after I had actually, um, at about age 14, I, my parents had divorced early on. My father was not a Mormon. And so I sued my mom for custody and went to live with my dad and became an atheist for a number of years <laughs> until this cute Christian girl came to my school. And then I was a Christian all of a sudden. Okay, and, a pretend uh, Christian. A pretend Christian for a number of years until after college uh, when, when God saved me out of that, that um, just uh, facade of, of pretending to be a Christian. And... Um, I started studying more about Mormonism and trying to understand because I remember one night sitting on the couch teaching my twins about how Jesus and Lucifer were brothers and my wife about jumped out of her skin coming out of the kitchen to tell me that was wrong and, and I didn't know any better as a very immature Christian. Uh, so I was, I was taught some of those creation myths from Mormonism like uh, the father... Uh, creates these spirit beings and Jesus and Lucifer 
were brothers and they were the ones who came up with plans for how they were going to um, test uh, people, test the spirits to see if they would be able to uh, come back and live with the Heavenly Father. Now, so I would very challenge weird anybody to find that in the Bible. <laughs> and in fact, we see um, Jesus Christ as a member of the Trinity who was, uh, who's the pre-incarnate God. We read the first chapter of John and we read Colossians and we tie out those pieces with Hebrews 1. Uh, so they have no concept of the Trinity. They believe that Jesus, just like God the Father, is an exalted man who did not, um, was not eternal, but actually was a man who earned this status of God. Like we talked about the three heavens mm -hmm. earlier. He's, he had achieved that high status and was exalted to Godhood. And they believe that uh, that's the ultimate goal of all mankind is to be exalted to become a God. And uh, rather than creating the entire universe, as, as you and I would understand the Bible to teach about, about mm -hmm. the Trinity, uh, they believe that their God reorganized part of the universe uh, for us to live in. And then eventually, if we are exalted to God's, we could do the same in some other portion of the universe. Have they ever been asked the question, I'm sure they must have, where did the original God come from? <laughs> um, they have. I've actually tried to have that discussion with my mother. I've had that discussion with uh, Mormon missionaries and the bishops in, in the local uh, Mormon ward here. And they, they always come back with this statement that we don't need to worry about that. All we're supposed to do is be faithful to our God and trust Him. So they, they really turn it to a blind faith and just trusting that. I've heard many college students give me almost the same answer when they ask the professor, where did the original matter come from to create the Big Bang? What they're being told is, you're not allowed to ask questions like that in the classroom. Yeah, same kind of answer. It, it totally destroys the belief system yes. by answering those types of questions or asking those types of questions. It shows the, the foundational errors that they have and not being able to account for the, the origin of the universe itself. So according to Mormonism, you correct me if I'm wrong here, there's, there's gods all over this universe and they all have their own planets? Yes, they would all be reigning over different portions of the universe. And how did life start in these other planets? <laughs> um, they would say that's beyond what we can know right now, but someday we can explore those things and, and learn them. So it's just a blind faith right now. It, it really is in that sense. Okay, and we, we as Christians have faith, but it's really not a blind faith, is it? No, uh, we, again, we think about that, that definition in Hebrews chapter 11 that our, our faith is built on things that we can, we can see and understand and it's not blind. And beyond that, we have the revelation of Scripture that we can, mm -hmm. we can look to and trust and, and test those things and, and see that they are consistent that, with the world that we live yeah, in. Because God gave us a complete account in Genesis 1 of what He created on each day. So oh. there's our answers right there. Then He says in Romans 1, 19, 20, we have no excuse for not believing. Yep. So we have His testimony right there in the Bible Absolutely. that gives these answers. We don't have to say, well, we don't know. Well, we, sometimes we don't know scientifically because it's beyond our scientific limits, but God gave us an answer, yeah. so and, we do have one. And we shouldn't expect perfect scientific answers for things that are 
like creation that are miracles. Right. We can't expect to understand how God created everything out of nothing because that's not something we can experience living in a world of something. But you know, if he could do that, believe in a resurrection after being dead for three days is pretty easy, isn't Absolutely. it? Or walking on water is pretty easy, or a donkey talking, that's pretty easy stuff, isn't yep. it? We don't, yeah, there's, if we can, if we can accept that God is creator and he's, he's done all those things, um, all of those other things are small beans. Yes. Well, what are some other doctrines in the Mormonism church that differ from Christianity? Um, really, if we, we think about the use of words, okay. um, the, the Mormons have a little phrase that says, the Bible is accurate insofar as it was correctly translated. And as you read some of the other writings, they use a lot of biblical phrases. So I think one thing that's really, really important for people to understand is that the, the phrases that are coming out of a Mormon's mouth, talking about Christ and talking about the gospel and talking about atonement and talking about scriptures, they're using the same words, but those words don't mean the same thing. I think of uh, an example recently, um, Glenn Beck was giving a, a speech at a Christian university, and he was talking about the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures over and over and over. So when you hear a Mormon speaking of the scriptures to a Christian, that's the 66 books of the Bible and, and that's all it is. Uh, but for a Mormon, when they use that word, it means those four doctrine, or those four books of doctrine, um, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, Book of Mormon and the Bible. And ongoing revelation from the prophets that are still alive today. And, and the president of the church is, is a modern prophet. So um, scriptures, when they talk about the scriptures, that's a, that's a really different concept. It's kind of like saying, you're, are you a Christian? Well, there's so many varieties of what people believe and think a Christian is today. Sure. Hollywood's really messed that one up, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in a broad sense, we can think of everything from Roman Catholicism to Protestant Christianity to Mormons as some form of Christianity, but we have to be really careful because that's, that's too broad of a, of a category. They borrowed something and their central core of the gospel, and there's another word, the Mormons use the word gospel. Um, they will use the word gospel and they'll talk about how the gospel is important to them, but they really mean a totally different thing because rather than trusting in Christ alone, by faith alone, grace alone, uh, in, for salvation, they're thinking of obeying the ordinances of the church, getting baptized, um, following all the teachings in the Bible, and repenting and turning. So they're combining all of those things, again, into that very works-based system. It's like you said in our first session last week, every other religion in the world is, you've got to do something to earn your way, but in Christianity, it's already been done. Yeah. Christ finished works on the cross and his resurrection. So their understanding of the gospel is very different. And a related word, um, they'll talk about the atonement a lot. Okay. Uh, but to a Mormon, the atonement is not a finished work because um, Jesus' death, and really uh, they would talk about his suffering beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane as a major part of the atonement, not just the work on the cross where we would understand God's wrath for sin being poured out on Christ. Um, all of his sufferings were part of the atonement. And the atonement isn't sufficient for salvation because you still have to do um, all of these works of obedience to prove yourself worthy of receiving that. Uh, so 
when they talk about the atonement, uh, it's a very different concept, and it's an incomplete concept of the atonement because uh, they would say something along the lines of, um, I do my best and Jesus makes up the rest. It's kind of a quippy little way to say it, but if you, um, if you pin them down, one of the missionaries comes to your door or something like that, uh, those types of things are very helpful distinctions. Now, I, I, we were talking before we started the, the show here. I love it when Mormons come to my door because, number one, I give them credit. They're out there doing something. Yeah. And uh, how many Christians are out there doing these things, evangelizing? So I give them credit for that. But I love it because I like to ask them some questions. Mm -hmm. And Could you give us some information about what do you do when, when Mormons come to your door? Well, I usually get pretty excited, too. I'm blacklisted now, so they don't come to my door anymore. <laughs> um, but... Uh, as you're engaging, the typical Mormon that you're going to meet uh, coming to your door is a young man somewhere between 18 and 22 mm -hmm. or so. Uh, he's, he's fulfilling not a requirement of Mormonism, but a, but a very strong expectation. Uh, they will tell, the, tell these young men, you don't have to go on this mission, this two-year mission, which they totally pay for themselves and, and support. Um, but... It's, it's pretty much expected, and all of the good Mormons are going to do it. Uh, so it's a very, a very high-pressure situation in that sense. Um, so as, they, as they're coming to you, their goal is to sit down with you and teach you through a set of lessons and try and get you to acknowledge that God has modern-day prophets, so that's a big thing that they'll point to, and that there's ongoing revelation, that we can receive this. Oh, this the Bible's not finished? The Bible's not enough. We have that, that ongoing revelation from those modern day prophets who, who, have, who God, they believe God has sent to guide and direct. And um, they're really going to push this idea of reading the Book of Mormon. They'll, they'll ask you, just read this Book of Mormon and pray about it and ask God to show you if it's real. And if it's real, you'll get a burning in the bosom. Now, that's not to be confused with the heartburn from the pepperoni the night before. Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they have this, this idea of a, a burning in the bosom, and it's something that Joseph Smith taught, that they believe is an inner testimony of the Holy Spirit revealing that truth to you and working in you. And they'll, they will bear their testimony to you and say, I bear you my testimony that I read this book and it is true, and God gave me this burning in the bosom. Uh, so it's a, it's a very emotionally driven. So we're supposed to trust our emotions and feelings, and the Bible has something to say about that, doesn't it? I think it? Jeremiah 17, 9 says something about our heart and our the, the wickedness and yes. deception that's in our heart and so not that following along that. that piece right there. there yeah. Now, and I always say when another religion comes to your door, treat them with respect. Absolutely. God loves them too. We were all once dead in our sin, and God mm -hmm. loved us. And somebody may have witnessed to us. Yeah. Rather than closing the door in our face, let's and closing the door in other people's face, let's be a witness to them. But you know, you can't do that if you're unstudied. No, absolutely not. And there so, goes our whole idea of evangelism, what mm -hmm. we're supposed to be doing, the Great Commission. And sometimes the Great Commission, God brings us people right to our door, and we still can't do it. That's a sad commentary on Christianity, isn't it? It is in many cases. Um, and so just... Being ready to, to, to talk with them and not being afraid of them, yes. they're, they're really not a lot 
um, they're smarter or studied than we are. They're just they're just young young yes. guys coming out here to do these things. Sometimes ladies. I had two uh, young ladies come to my door and uh, Mormonism, and I invited them to the Creation Museum, and they came. Yes, I had a group of about twelve show up one time and went out and talked to them at lunchtime at the museum. Yes. And mm -hmm. well, we're getting close to the end here, uh, Roger. I got to ask this question. Coming from the Mormon background, going to atheist, coming to be a Christian, now you're a creationist that answers in Genesis. If you had one piece of advice to give to people out there, what might you give them on, on the cults or Mormonism? Um, a lot of times we get worried about trying to understand all their doctrines and figuring everything out before we'll even begin to talk to them. Uh, but, but that's not necessary. We have the hope of the gospel. We, we can share that with them. And I think um, for many years, as people would come to my desk and say, oh, the Mormon missionaries are coming back. What scriptures can I point to them? I, I'd give those types of apologetic arguments, and those things can be helpful. Uh, but as I've, as I've matured in that type of thinking, I think one of the most important things is to really point them to the fact that as a Christian, I am resting in the finished work of Christ. Uh, theirs is a religion that is based on performance and works, and there is a, there's really a high degree of, of perfection expected from, from many different people. Um, a sad side of, of the religion um, is, is the, a lot of um, depression and suicides and things. I have two personal friends who, um, by the time I was 23, they had committed suicide. We know one had gotten pregnant and the pressure in the community was just too much for him to handle, or had gotten a girl pregnant. And the other one we suspect is similar. And they are just so burdened with do, 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 do. And I want to point them to Christ who offers us rest, who says his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I like that. In other words, as Christians, Let's know why we believe what we believe. Let's know the cross and the comfort we can have in Jesus Christ and Him alone and that the works have already been done for us. What a comforting thought that we can rest in Jesus Christ who loves us and He loved us while we were still dead in our sins. I want to thank you very, very much, Roger, for two great sessions and pleasure, great Mike. teaching sessions. God bless you and the work you do and God bless all of you out there and thank you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.